welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid service, which was held on Sunday, December the 12th, 2021. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. James's this morning, those of you joining us from home and those here at St. James's as we continue our journey towards God this Advent. My name's Ellie and I'm leading today. Ian will be reflecting for us and there'll be activities available for children and young people a little bit later in the service, the chance to make some Christingles. But we'll start now with a moment of quiet as we gather and still ourselves in God's presence. And we'll light our candle here and invite those of you at home to light yours of a sign of our coming together before God. Do please be seated, and we'll come to the moment when we light our Advent candles. This week we'll get to light the third, as well as the first and second, to remind us of our journey through Advent. morning. A reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
gospel this morning is taken from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to, to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations he proclaimed the good news to the people. Give thanks to the Lord for his glorious gospel. Loving God, we thank you that you are with us on our journeys, whatever journey each individual is on at home or here, that on our journey you would lead us home, you would bring us to that place where we have a deep sense of your love and peace. So open our ears, our minds, our hearts to receiving that love, even in some of the fierce words that we hear in Scripture. Amen. So each... Uh, week when we're planning the service we, we try and come up with a title um, for the theme and the title uh, this week was Complex Darkness because I think Advent is a time of profound contrast. It's a time of great darkness but also a time of great light and as Bran so eloquently uh, said a few uh, weeks ago in response to Joe's question, why do we need light? He said, well, it's so dark at the moment. It gets dark by three o'clock. 
But it's also a time of great joy and a time of sadness. We're excited about Christmas, but the season can also accentuate losses and loneliness. And I think today we also have this incredible contrast between our two readings, both in tone but also in content. So our Philippians passage is wonderfully reassuring, telling us that God is near, calling us to rejoice, to give thanks, to let our gentleness be evident to all, and not to worry, but to give all our concerns, to give everything to God in prayer, and allow God to hold them. And if we do this, we receive a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a beautiful, poetic, and profoundly comforting message, which I'd like you to, to hold onto as we get to the more fierce stuff of John the Baptist. It's a passage that almost feels like a warm blanket around us, a God who provides us with a safe haven, a safe home. And then wham, we get John the Baptist wading in with a call to repentance in no uncertain terms. You brood of vipers, he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Sort of fierce, fearsome words and in deep contrast to our first uh, passage. So I think Advent is a complex and confusing time. On the one hand, we're asked to wait upon God, to make room for God in silence and prayer, to be still, quiet, and receptive, and to be thankful and rejoice. And on the other hand, we're called to repent and put our faith into deeds by acting generously, acting justly, and acting compassionately. So how can we reconcile these two messages? One very sort of sense of peace, and a one that's uh, much more fierce and calling us to action. And I think like many Bible teachings, we're often required to hold seemingly contradictory mess messages in tension. However, I do think that there are words of comfort in what seem like John's harsh words, especially if we reframe our understanding of repentance, not as confessing a long list of sins, but actually as a homecoming. All creatures orient to home. It's the point of origin from which every species sets its bearings. Without bearings, there is no way to navigate unknown territory. Without bearings, we are lost. And humans are no different. Although more complex, home might not be one definitive uh, place. But our lives, I think, are a constant search for home, a constant search for belonging, a constant search for love, a constant search for safety. So John's message is one of changing direction and reorientating us to a journey home. 
And notice John's gospel of repentance is not asking us to change the world, but to change ourselves. It is a call to conversion, requiring an expansion of our hearts and our minds to God's priorities and the needs of others. John says, bear fruits worthy of repentance, suggesting that if there is no fruit, there is no true repentance. And I do think a danger of our confession in the liturgy is that that part of the service remains just words. And if our words are not followed by a commitment to action and change, John would say uh, they mean very little. True repentance requires a degree of humility because it means facing the truth about ourselves. And although difficult, it leads to liberation, fruitfulness, and joy. So our faith is always about conversion, change, transformation, growth, a constant journey along the road where paths are straightened, valleys filled, mountains lowered, and rough services made smooth. And although John's words sound harsh, I find myself drawn to John the Baptist because he's impossible to domesticate, something we often manage to achieve with Jesus, I think. He's unambiguous with his responses and is the perfect antidote to any sentimentalism that comes so easily with Christmas. And for me, what's not to love about someone prepared to call a group of people a brood of vipers? Vivid, expressive language, risking personal popularity and shaking a smug group of people assured of their salvation out of their complacency. And I have to confess, and I confess this at the uh, worship planning meeting, that there are a few moments in my life where I would have loved to have described an assembled group as a brood of vipers. Uh, is anyone here was in the same place? Or are you all, you're all too holy, I'm sure. But, uh, and it's still the image and metaphor that comes to mind when I watch the news, especially at this present time of uh, Downing Street having parties, etc. But uh, yeah, you brood of vipers, very strong language. So how, how do we need to turn our lives around and return home, embark on this homecoming? Well, in verse 10, the people ask exactly the same question. What, what should we do? And John typically answers in very specific and practical ways. Firstly, he says, if anyone has two tunics, share one with someone who has none. Repentance here is not just about our own ethical interior life, but about how we relate to one another. It is not a gospel of the individual but a shared life, any more that the Eucharist that we will partake in later is a sacrament of the individual rather than a sacrament of shared life within our community. John is clearly saying that if we have more than we need, then we should be willing to share our wealth and possessions with those who do, who do have a need. And this is authentic compassion, where we not only empathize with somebody else's sufferings, but we actually respond to it with practical action. 
And I think this is a direct challenge to all of us, to me, to all of us who live in relative comfort in a world where many go without basic necessities. Then secondly, the tax collectors also ask, what should we do? And he answers, exact no more than your rate. So again, a specific and practical answer. The tax collectors are not told to stop collecting taxes, but are called to honesty, fairness, and justice when they do. And although we're not tax collectors, we also are called to honesty, fairness, and justice in our business and commercial dealings. This not only concerns how we act in our own lives, but extends to who we support. We need to try where possible not to support systems and businesses which are unjust and cause others to suffer. And I say where possible because it is increasingly difficult in our globalized world not to collude in unjust systems. We all, we all uh, do that. However, we do need to try and be increasingly aware of the ethical practices of those we deal with financially so that we can make informed ethical choices in what we invest in, whom we work for, what our work practices are, what we buy, so that we avoid supporting these unjust systems and organizations that cause suffering to others. And that includes creatures and the biosystems of our earth. I recently read an article by uh, one of America's most influential economists, Milton Friedman. And it was quite, quite a shocking uh, piece, actually. And Milton Friedman, if you don't know, was the driving force, along with the Chicago boys, as he called them, of neoliberal economics, an ideology which I think has dominated the uh, economic landscape for years um, uh, and now is being, I think, is, is being going into sort of disrepute now. I think people are re-examining it. And it's an ideology uh, which I think has created untold misery for many in, in the world. And in this article, uh, Milton Friedman said, corporations must be concerned only for their stockholders and not for the community or the workforce. If you find an executive who wants to take on responsibility, uh, social responsibilities, fire him fast. A corporation that spends stockholders' money for purposes which it regards as socially responsible, but which it cannot connect to its bottom line, is in fact immoral. See the twisting, the twisting of ethics there. And that, that philosophy, that ideology, it has been a major part of, of how corporations um, have think, uh, think. In other words, everything becomes legitimate in achieving the goals of maximizing profits, whatever the social and environmental costs. And John the Baptist preaching is a direct confrontation against this ideology. It's an antidote to greed and the beginnings of a call to create a new society based on truth, honesty, justice, and compassion. And then thirdly, the soldiers ask, what should we do? And John answers, don't intimidate people. Don't manipulate them. No bribing, no blackmailing or extortion. Be content with your pay. In other words, don't be greedy and abuse your power by using others uh, for your own gain. 
untransformed and unrepentant people will be preoccupied with power. They'll understand relationships almost exclusively in terms of pragmatic ways people are useful to them, making authentic love and community impossible. And we are called to love unconditionally, which means that we might not receive anything back. So John's responses are all ways that, as uh, Jeffrey said last week, that we can yank a bit of heaven onto earth. And in the final verses of our reading, Luke makes it very clear that John the Baptist is only the beginning of the gospel, that the gospel of love expressed in the person of Jesus is still to come. When it says, I baptize you with water, but there is still one coming after me, and he will baptize you with the fire and the Holy Spirit. And I think this is the progression of ministry from John to Jesus. John comes from the Old Testament school of prophets who major on what I would call uh, retributive uh, justice. That is, if people keep on sinning and doing wrong, there will be judgment and consequences. And most societies are based on this form of retributive uh, justice. If you do wrong, you may get a warning, a fine, community service, uh, or prison, depending on the offence. And if you keep on repeating the offence, sentences get harder. That's kind of what's going on in the Old Testament with the, the, the prophets, this retributive justice of the people continually, constantly um, uh, are doing evil in the sight of God. But I think Jesus develops this and preaches a gospel of restorative justice, which is based on love and compassion that aims first and foremost to bring about healing and wholeness and salvation. And this tension between retributive justice and restorative justice is going on in our news today, certainly with, with how to tackle the drug problem is an example, where you have... Uh, the government at the moment coming in quite hard with the retri retributive uh, justice. Let's, uh, those that uh, drug pushers but also drug takers will be punished. Whereas there is also the argument that, uh, that you need restorative justice. You need to heal and bring healing to people. So John's baptism of water and repentance is an essential beginning, a preparation for Jesus' baptism of the fire of compassion. It's a call to repentance, to conversion, to transformation, to practical changes of lifestyle that involve sharing our material wealth with those in need, not gaining wealth through unjust means or supporting unjust structures, and not abusing our power. And I believe if we do that, that's how community is built, and also um, how joy can come to us. So as we prepare for Christmas and making room for Christ in our lives, through rejoicing, through silence, through prayer, through thankfulness, through gentleness to ourselves, importantly, but also others, as the Philippians passage said, let us also get ready inwardly by straightening paths, filling the valleys, lowering the mountains, smoothing the rough surfaces within us through true repentance, through expanding our hearts and minds so that we share generously, adjust in our actions, 
and do not abuse our power. Amen. We turn to our prayers. Let's pray. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Dear God, we rejoice together in you this morning for who you are, all that you have made and all you sustain day by day. We rejoice that you are near, that we can know you in Jesus and you know everything there is to know about ourselves, about us. And we rejoice that you give our lives meaning and bearings as we hunger for justice. And as we rejoice, we know that you ask us to bring our requests to you with thanksgiving. So we do that now, we pray. So we pray for our world, and we thank you for our world. We thank you for all that's beautiful, all that's good. We pray for the places not in the news today. We thank you for the places not in the news today. We thank you for people where people are growing and learning and living in harmony and where there is peace. And we bring our request to you alongside those thanksgivings. We ask that the peoples might be ruled justly, that leaders might have the humility to act in the common interests and not self-interest. And we ask today especially for wisdom and courage for those taking decisions about COVID, how to react to the new variant, internationally, nationally, locally. We pray that those leaders, those decision makers might have the humility, humility to ask you, what should we do? That they might make wise choices, choices which safeguard the interests of the poorest and weakest among us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray today with thanksgiving for the church, internationally, nationally, and locally. We thank you for all who have gone before us. We thank you for all who worship you now. We thank you for the freedom we have to call on your name. And we thank you for all that's wonderful and life-giving in our shared life here at St. James. This Advent, we pray that you be with us in our waiting. Show us what it is we need to turn from or turn to as a church, as individuals. What it means for us to turn for home. May we not be so full of rejoicing, so caught up in you, that we fail to ask, what should we do? And may we not be so busy asking, what should we do, that we fail to rejoice? May we, this Advent and this Christmas season, know how to be a people of both and, rejoicing in your gifts to us, and working for justice for your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
And finally, we remember with thanksgiving those we love, those we have known forever, for ages, and those who are new friends, new people we love. We pray for any who are anxious, lost or unwell. May they know your peace today, your healing. Know that however small they are feeling, you know them and have a calling and purpose for them. Lord, in your mercy. Amen.